Hello, welcome to, what is this, the 8th episode of the Drinkable Globe podcast. I am your host, Jeff Cialetti. It may sound a little noisy here, my hotel, I am in LA for the BevCon conference, and uh, my room is overlooking the street, and there is no soundproofing. But I felt like recording my intro here anyway. So I'm really psyched about this episode because I speak with Lisa Laird Dunn, who is the ninth generation of the Laird family, as in Laird's Applejack. I'm a Jersey boy. This is a spirit whose heritage is very much rooted in New Jersey. It's fantastic that it's having a bit of a renaissance, you know, as American Brandy is having a renaissance, so is Laird's Applejack. People are rediscovering it. It is the original spirit of the United States. Before there was any such thing as American rye whiskey or bourbon whiskey, you had Laird's Applejack. So let's head back to Monmouth County, New Jersey for Lisa Laird Dunn. It's been quite an interesting journey for Laird's Applejack, especially um, well when you figure out how when you figure out how old the brand is, but also if you think about it in context of modern cocktail culture, it's it's become a bit of a favorite among uh, some craft cocktail mixologists and that sort of thing. So tell me a little bit about um, you know how that came about. Was it just sort of an organic kind of thing? What what happened there? It's uh, it's been a fun ride, that's for sure. But it definitely has been organic. Um, thankfully for the bartending community, they've really been responsible uh, for the resurgence of Laird's Applejack and our Apple Brandies, especially our Bottled and Bond, which is a product that they've uh, really been um, very partial to for many, many years. Um, But uh, I guess it was about 2005 when you started to see the cocktail renaissance, the classic cocktail renaissance start uh, to take place. And as you look at historical cocktail books, you will find Applejack. So the the bartenders were looking for the original product to uh, use for the Jack Rose and mm-hmm. the Pink Lady, uh, such as the Diamondback, the Widow's Kiss, some very historic cocktails. Even the Apple Blow Fizz is, is another uh, classic cocktail. So as they were looking for this product, they started to, um, you know, find us and search us out. And not only here in the United States, but international markets as well. And and we're now exporting to 13 different export international markets because of the bartending community. So how, um, so tell me about the the bottled and bond. How frequently do you release that? And when did you uh, start doing it as as sort of its own brand? Well, we've had bottled and bond, the oldest, Label approval that I we have in our archives here from January 14th, 1941. Wow. So we've been producing this product for many, many years. All along, we've had basically a bottled and bond. We might not have had bottled and bond on the label prior yeah. to that because it was not, I guess, as necessary post-prohibition. Uh, you know, when bottled and bond act was... Um, uh, passed in 1897, it was definitely something that was very needed, you know, to ensure that the product was unadulterated or undiluted. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so at 1941, I know we've had the Laird's Bottle and Bond, and the label has not changed since then. We've had basically the same package, uh, which the bartenders love and have told me never change, <laughs> <laughs> even though my sales and marketing team would like to, uh, to update the package, but I tell them absolutely not. Um, but so as we moved into the late 60s, 
<clears throat> excuse me, as we move in, moved into, um, I guess it was 80s and 90s, um, late 70s, uh-huh. 80s, 90s, brown spirits were not popular. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sales were dropping um, with all, across the category of all brown spirits. And Bottled and Bond pretty much languished. It was on the bottom shelf in those few markets that was even still available. <clears throat> Just basically a shot and a beer. And as the cocktail renaissance came about and there was a demand for the product, um, unfortunately, our inventory became quite low because it happened quite quickly. Yeah. Uh, so unfortunately, we had to discontinue our Bottled and Bond or we had to take Bottled and Bond off the label in 2014. Okay. Uh, it was still 100 proof. Uh, unfortunately, we cannot fulfill the obligation that was distilled in the same season. So in order, order to be transparent and to be truthful to our customers, we took Bottled and Bond off the label. So for the last four years, we have not had Bottled and Bond, but we are reintroducing it actually this month, August. Well, August, um, end of the summer of 2018, it will be available again to the bartending community. So we are extremely extremely excited to have it back in the market. American brandy is making a comeback too, just in general. So, I mean, it's just the fact that um, the brand has endured for as long as it has, and I'm sure it's seen many, many peaks and valleys over the years, but it definitely seems like we're on a huge climb now in in the brandy and more people are starting to get interested in brandy. More people are making brandy in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And there must be something about, well, we've been here all along. Uh, yeah, we're we're old, but we're new again. Yeah. And uh, I like to say our time has come. Um, there is an interest <clears throat> not only in apple brandy, but brandy in general, mm-hmm. which is nice. You're starting to see more brandy producers, as you had said. But I think as the as the the bartending community and the the cocktail enthusiast, as they're you know they've been drinking bourbon for years now, and bourbon has been growing quite um, quite well. Uh, internationally yeah and it, it's I think it's time now to move on let's ex- ex- uh, experiment with something new another type of spirit because you've had bourbon you've had rye and I think now it's time for brandy and there's definitely more um, interest there's now the brandy authority that uh, that's uh, uh, that's come into fruition uh, we're educating bartenders and uh, the community about brandy mm. all brandies um, internationally and um, you're just seeing, like I just did a um, at BCB Brooklyn, uh, had a seminar on Applejack, you know, first time oh, yeah, yeah. there's ever been a seminar on Applejack, really, in, in, you just, uh, in that type of uh, format. I uh, just did a Bottled and Bond uh, seminar with Wayne Curtis oh, at amazing. Tales of the Cocktail. So there definitely is, there's a desire for the education and to become aware of the, of the whole brandy category so it's quite exciting time for us right now so let's um let's sort of backtrack a little bit wanted to um get sort of uh you've probably told this story a zillion times but um just uh you know for listeners who are not familiar with the laird story if you want to just go take us back to the 18th century and (laughs) well i'll try to (laughs) yeah just make 300 years concise cliff notes version (laughs) cliff notes uh well yeah which most people Majority, I'd say 90% of the population are not aware of that the Laird family, we are the oldest distillers in the United States. And Applejack is recognized as the oldest native distilled spirit. It mm-hmm. is older than bourbon. Um, cider spirits have been produced here in the United States since the early 1600s. 
So my family immigrated here from Scotland, County Fife, Scotland, in 1698. And when they arrived in our location, we're in Monmouth County, New Jersey, and uh, been here since 1698 and found apples were abundant at that point in time. So uh, obviously started making applejack and apple brandy Mm -hmm. uh, out of the apples. Um, Through history, we've the company and the family has grown along with the United States, so it's kind of um, kind of cool when you look at uh, timeline in history, like George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, William Henry Harrison, like different presidents throughout our history have some um, uh, allegiance or some tie to Laird's Applejack. Mm. Um, my ancestors, my four greats grandfather, um, served under General George Washington, and. This area was very uh, host to many battles during the Revolution, and um, we did provide Applejack to the troops. Uh, George Washington, we did serve General George Washington in our family home. Um, he also had asked my ancestor for the recipe on how to produce because he had an excess of apples at Mount Vernon. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, um, he owned a tavern um, prior to becoming president and offered Applejack on his uh, bill of fare. We have a copy of that from 1833, mm. where it's 12 and a half, 12 and a half cents a half pint, uh, which was quite interesting. But as we've grown, you know, we've, as we've continuously produced the product, and through the years we've had to diversify with other products and so forth, and actually during early prohibition, non-alcoholic products, Uh, although we did receive a permit to produce for medicinal purposes, um, towards the end of prohibition, we could produce one million gallons of apple brandy for medicinal purposes only. Uh, But once prohibition was lifted, we were, you know, we really was a high time for us. Was it medicinal in quotes? Yes, yeah, medicinal. (laughs) Well, there there were prescriptions for alcoholic beverages. And and it's kind of funny because some of the the ailments that was prescribed, uh, that alcohol was prescribed for, was um, one of them that I find funny is depression. And who was not depressed during prohibition? (laughs) So I think everybody could get. A prescription for uh, for uh, alcohol during uh, prohibition it's pretty funny but yeah so you know we did our part during World War one World War two as every other company did and mm-hmm. every everybody you know did their part uh, as an American citizen uh, we produced uh, from our um, the pumice as we would press the juice and the leftover pumice we would dry and dehydrate to uh, that product to produce pectin which was a preservative for the war rations. So uh, that's how we, our contribution <laughs> um, to uh, World War II. And here we are today. We've uh, diversified. We have import portfolios, so forth, and some other spirits. But the heart and soul of Laird & Company has always been our Laird's Applejack. Uh, we now have six expressions. Oh, wow. Um, now we're able to introduce additional products because we uh, – have enough inventory. You know, we've really, because of the shortage that we had um, from the uh, cocktail renaissance, um, we've doubled our distil- uh, distillation in the fall and we've added a spring distillation with cold storage apples. So now we have plenty of inventory and we've recently introduced uh, some additional um, expressions of our apple brandies. You know, this, this area, this obviously a very historic area, are you part of any sort of historic trails here or anything like that? Um, people, you know, Revolutionary War buffs or whatever, is that 
Uh, are you on sort of any maps for that? Because mm-hmm. it seems like a, I, I feel like um, you have greater prominence within the bar community than you do with you know a lot of people in New Jersey. And I'm from New Jersey. Don't even know it's here. That's so true. We've uh, you know we're this little uh, company that we're you know here in Colts Neck, New Jersey. Well, actually, it's Scobieville, uh, which no one's ever heard of. It actually was a trivia question on Jeopardy once. Oh, really? <laughs> it was. Yeah, I was like, whoa, Scobieville. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so people don't know we're here. Uh, we don't have a visiting center currently. Mm. That is on my um, my uh, radar for this year to, to start initiating all the permits and so forth in architect. We, uh, we do have one drawing already. So that is on the horizon. So then we can um, become a part of these historical trails as well as you know, we're starting to see some distilleries here in New Jersey, and we can create a New Jersey distillery tour. But uh, we would definitely fit and tie into the historical, because there is here in Monmouth County, there's a Monmouth County historical tour. And they do have uh, um, where there's free admission uh, during one week, weekend, every spring. Mm. Uh, but there is a tour that I think we would be obviously very welcome to be a part of oh i'm sure yeah and um you're you're monmouth county so you're close to um close to the shore and a lot of things like that do you see any of that sort of seasonal business at all like in bars and stuff is it is it prominent in that not so much at the shore um because it is a brown spirit we'll see Mm. a little bit of a pickup but uh, mostly the fall once september Mm. october you know october's national applejack month you know (laughs) yeah little does everybody know that but it is applejack month so and it ties in obviously with the fall flavors Mm. and apple season so you'll find uh the big increase in awareness and sales of the products in September, October, November, up until the holidays. Um, but we're now seeing year-round uh, as it's on cocktail menus, mm. um, you know, especially the Jack Rose has become very popular on, on cocktail menus. Oh, yeah, Again, yeah. and, you know, it's made with Applejack, and uh, Laird's Applejack was available in 1910 when the Jack Rose was developed. So <laughs> very good... Um, good um indication that um any jack rose cocktails that were being produced here in new jersey were being produced with or made with laird's applejack now uh, tell us about some of uh, you said you have six expressions so tell me mm-hmm. each one of those well we have our laird's blended applejack mm-hmm. that's been a staple since 1972 okay um the reason and as I was saying before, when the American consumers were moving away from brown spirits, so in 1968, um, we petitioned the federal government to create a new federal standard of identity for blended Applejack. Applejack and apple brandy are synonymous, and under that federal standard of identity, it has to be 100% apple brandy. So as the consumers were moving away from brown spirits and you you began rye, began to see rye became blended whiskey, uh, you started to see blended Canadians, blended scotch, they were lightening light yeah, lightening their brown spirits. Mm. We could not do so. So we petitioned for this new federal standard of identity and it was passed in 1972. So we could introduce our lighter style applejack which is our blended applejack. So that product has been a staple since 1972 for uh, worldwide. Uh, You'll see that's the most widely distributed. Um, um, Since that time, we've, uh, in 1964, we introduced our seven and a half year old. Mm -hmm. 
um, which is one of our crew products. Uh, we set aside certain barrels um, each season uh, that we feel are um, the, at that higher level, uh, better distillates, and we put that aside and we age it for a minimum seven and a half years. Our bottled and bond, as I told you, has been around, at least that label has been around since 1941. That is, again, a um, straight apple brandy. Uh, that is at 100 proof. Mm. Uh, it's In order to be bottled and bond, it has to be aged a minimum of four years. Uh, this product is very similar to what Applejack was prior to Prohibition uh, in that in the early late 1800s, early 1900s, it was a very high proof. So the bottled and bond is, resembles what that product was. Um, in 1999, we introduced our 12-year-old, which is um, at this point okay. We had an excess of a lot of aged apple brandy. Yeah. Uh, so we developed our 12-year-old, which is um, all very small production. Uh, it's hand labeled, hand bottled. Uh, each bottle has its uh, bottling date, its batch number, as well as its, its bottle number. Mm-hmm. Um, all signed here by Larry Laird, my father, who's eighth generation of the Laird family. Um, and then in 2000, hmm, about 2014, we introduced Jersey Lightning. Now, Jersey Lightning is our unaged apple brandy. So, oh, so it's like a moonshine. It's a moonshine. Yeah. It's apple moonshine. But this product is, it really shines. It shows and demonstrates what the quality of the distillates that's mm-hmm. coming off of our still. And, and the reason we introduced this product was uh, a few bartenders had tried it uh, straight. They asked for a sample um, off the still because they were looking at developing some product. And uh, they were like, you need to put this in a bottle. You need to offer this. And I'm like, really? <laughs> it's like straight moonshine. And so we did. And it, it's got its little niche in the market. And, and it's a great product for the summer. Yeah. Uh, because it's great for like a, a an apple Collins, you know, instead oh, yeah, of, yeah. you know, using the Jersey Lightning. Um, it's really nice and refreshing. And it's great in a daiquiri or a sour or any type of cocktail or even with uh, tonic. It's perfect for the summer months. Uh, so that's our offering for the summer, our apple brandy. But um, and then uh, let's see. Oh, our newest um, product that we just introduced in October of last year, our Laird's Applejack eighty six. And the reason we wa- brought this product is um, we wanted to offer what Applejack was pr- uh, post prohibition. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had our blended Applejack, um, and now we wanted to. Now that we have enough brandy, we could reintroduce our straight Applejack. If you were drinking Laird's Applejack in the 1930s, uh, this is what the product you would be drinking. It was 100% apple brandy, and it was at 86 proof. Okay. Um, Actually, it was 86.4, but Mm -hmm. we cut it down to 86, make it a little bit easier. Uh, So this, uh, we've had great response to this product. Uh, It's already received a gold medal from uh, Bar Convent Berlin. Um, as well as uh, tastings, uh, the Beverage Testing Institute, oh, uh, tastings.com. So we're really excited. Um, and uh, it's this is age three years, and it's makes a perfect Jack Rose. Um, and a lot of the classic cocktails, this it's a uh, it's perfect expression for that. So have any um, any bartenders been using uh, any of your expressions in say uh, a replacement for whiskey in an old-fashioned or something like that? Has that been a thing? Oh absolutely yeah. mm-hmm. you'll find Applejack Manhattan's Applejack old-fashions which are um, 
delightful. It adds a different dimension to um, the Applejack um, old fashioned. But uh, there's a one uh, cocktail that's pretty uh, has become pretty popular called the American Trilogy, and that was uh, developed by uh, Michael McIlroy and uh, Robert uh, Bacato mm. uh, when they were at Little Branch in New York, and it's basically um, a riff off of an Applejack. Um, or, or an old-fashioned, it's with rye, applejack, and orange bitters, uh, and obvi- and the simple syrup sugar as well. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it's a delightful. And I'm starting to see that um, nationally, and uh, they're picking it up in uh, other drink lists. But obviously they give credit credit to the uh, developer of the cocktail as well, the creator. Any, any bars in particular, and this can be anywhere in the country, even anywhere in the world for that matter, that... Uh, that- uh, your Applejack has a good presence at and it's being used in sort of a creative, innovative way. Anything that comes to mind? There's so many and it's really hard to narrow down. I mean, there's so many great... Um, Anywhere near here? Well, maybe. here, you Modine in Asbury Park, yeah. if you want to be local here in New Jersey, yeah, yeah. Uh, they have all of our expressions behind the bar. Uh, and they have... Um, they have a, a usually every season they have a different Applejack cocktail on their on their cocktail list, uh, so that's a great um, place locally that's coming to the top of my head. If you're in New Brunswick area, the Left Stage and uh, Carol Lombardi, mm. they're great, um, wonderful uh, supporters of the product as well. New York, just about any cocktail, classic cocktail bar that you go into New York, uh, you can enjoy a Laird's Applejack cocktail. You usually find it on the menu, or if not, they are definitely carrying it behind the bar. And internationally, I was in Singapore, Malaysia, uh, Hong Kong, mm. drinking Laird's Applejack cocktails, Australia. Uh, I just came back from London. We just did a Jack Rose bar crawl. Oh, nice. Where, you know, I went to about eight different bars drinking their version of the Jack Rose. Um, one experience that I found so surreal is I was in Kuala Lumpur, Mm. Malaysia, in a bar that was called the Jack Rose, drinking a Jack Rose made with Laird's Applejack. Oh, my God. Now, never in my wildest dreams did I think I would be doing that. So that was really, really cool. Pretty cool. Does the Jack Rose in D.C. actually carry it? Because I know they're a whiskey bar. but they... They, Yeah, they do carry the brandies as well. Okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> I've actually done an educational uh, evening there one night, and we partake in tastings there, so yes. Yeah, no, I, I live down in the D.C. area now. I was in Jersey, and now I'm, um, I'm in Alexandria, so that's kind of the place mm-hmm. that's definitely on my radar. And Yeah, well, um, there's quite a few. Um, air, uh, bars in uh, that area. It's gotten better. It's definitely gotten better. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've only been living there for mm-hmm. about three and a half years, but um, uh, you know, from what I understand, it, it's kind of night and day. From you know, ten, I, I was going down there because my in-laws were down there, so I, I kind of watched it evolve a little bit. But um, the scene, the the bar scene, the restaurant scene, it's it's really just night and day to what it was. 12, 15 years ago. Absolutely. So. And you're finding that in a lot of markets today. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's so much fun. Everywhere, uh, even you go to Denver, you go to Nashville, you go to all these, um, you know, smaller metro markets, and uh, they're real, the cocktail scene is exploding. So you do all the blending and barreling here, but it's distilled off-site, is that correct? Um, at one point, we had three distilleries, mm-hmm. uh, one here in Scobieville, New Jersey, uh, a second in Lyons, New York, which is outside of Syracuse. Uh, and then in Virginia, North Garden, Virginia, outside of Charlottesville. Mm. Uh, we currently only, since the mid-1970s, only distill in Virginia. Okay. Um, and that's 
primarily due to where we can source the amount of apples yeah, that yeah. we need. Uh, New Jersey is very developed now. Yeah. Um, we closed down the uh, Lions New York distillery many years ago. There was a fire, and we just decided to stop distilling there. Uh, so, yeah, everything comes from Virginia. We It's 100% family-owned. We still run the distillery. Um, actually, my, my son, who is 10th generation coming into the business, mm-hmm. um, is going to be reporting to the distillery at the end of August uh, to start his uh he just graduated from college and he's going to be coming on full time wow so he'll be down there learning how to distill with our master distiller danny uh generation 10 yeah so we're so <laughs> it's so excited we're going into generation 10 and my daughter's uh got two more years of college and she's planning on coming on board as well so i did my job i got the 10th generation <laughs> interested and passionate about uh, be coming into the industry but I went off track there, but um, no, yeah. So our distillery is in Virginia. We have a yeah. uh, aging inventory warehouse in Virginia and one here in New Jersey, and we just transfer the barrels up here as we need them. One thing I hear a lot from from cider people is a lot of cider people are, are freaking out because there just there aren't enough orchards. <laughs> it's sort of like no, there are not, and you're seeing more and more demand. And um, there's only so many apples, and uh, I know some. Brandy producers are sourcing juice. Uh, we do crush all of our own apples. Mm. Um, last season, we crushed about uh, 7 million pounds of apples uh, because it does take it takes 7,000 pounds of apples to produce one barrel. Wow. Um, just our, our new um, Applejack 86, mm-hmm. there's a little 17 emblem on it, and that stands for the 17 pounds of apples in every bottle. So it's a lot of raw material. When you think of apples, apples don't have a lot of juice. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> so there's a lot of raw material that goes into producing the product. So what's some of you? So you mentioned that you import some stuff. Like what sort of stuff are you importing? Uh, we import some wines and spirits okay. uh, from Chile. Uh, we have the Indomita brand. Um, we import Amleto um, and Stavall mm. uh, and Pietrofitta from Italy, and we bring in some Bordeaux as well and um, and uh, Burgundies from. France. Uh, we also bring in some grappas from Mileto. We have this great little Mileto tomato gin, mm. which you might be interested in oh, at some point. Yeah. Um, and we also have Lazzaroni, uh, which is very famous for their amaretto. They actually oh. um, were the first to produce amaretto. Oh, wow. Uh, and they have uh, maraschino, uh, sambuca, limoncello, fernet, uh, amaro. So they have a quite a beautiful full line of Italian cordials uh, that we represent here. Yeah, I, um, I actually, it's, I was on a, a grappa trip back in um, April. Uh, it was like a press trip to, mm-hmm. to northern Italy to basically just went to a lot of grappa distilleries. And that was, that was interesting to see how that was made. And actually, um, I think the biggest problem with grappa is the perception. And I think that that's... Mm-hmm. Yes, And they, they definitely opened my eyes that this is you know, amazing artisanal stuff. I mean, now they're really getting into aged grappas now and things like that. So it's just single, mm-hmm. single varietal single, grappa. We have, yeah, we have four different varietals. So it, it's single varietal grappas. And yeah. there there are unique differences between between all of them. But yeah. what's what's interesting is, you know, because, you know, looking at, we call it, I call it the dark years, you know, when mm. brown spirits were uh, not very popular, you know, in order, we're a small family business. In order to survive and keep the doors open, we've had to diversify through the years, and and so we have different divisions. And it it it's funny because 
as one goes down, another division goes up, and you know we kind of keep that balance where we've been able to uh, continue mm-hmm. for going into our tenth generation. Yeah, yeah. Well, having been through so many different cycles of ebb and flow in the market, and whatever. I mean, do you ever, are you ever concerned that the interest in brown spirits is going to wane again? Or are we at a point now where, you know, with with every sort of craft beverage there is, it's sort of opened people's eyes to, I guess, the finer things. And do you think that that's sort of going to help with brown spirit staying power so it doesn't hit another sort of plummet like it did in the 70s? Well, obviously, I am hoping yeah. <laughs> that it that it's sustainable. Um this business is very cyclical. Yeah. Uh, so at some point, I'm sure there'll be a, a different um, a difference in the consumption of brown spirits. I'm hoping that's not for a very very long time. I think, from what I'm seeing, um, we have this is going to be sustainable for a while. There is a lot of interest, and, and there's so many additional markets that have not even their eyes haven't opened yet to the craft cocktail and to these brown spirits. So, yeah. And as we're opening new export markets, so, you know, they're just becoming aware of mm-hmm. Applejack and Apple Brandy. Uh, so there, we still have a lot of growth potential, uh, and I think this interest will be here for a while, but it is a cyclical, yeah. you know, it's, you know, it's, it's bound to happen at some point in time. I mean, I also think that, uh, you know, a big part of what sort of drove the last kind of, decline of the market was a lot to do with with health and i think people now what's the old it's become a cliche at this point drinking less drinking better but people are drinking better Mm -hmm. and i i in my you know based on what i've seen i feel like if it does decline and it it just like anything else it probably will at some point i don't think it's going to be as sharp and it'll probably be temporary mm-hmm. is it's more Absolutely. more a matter of waiting for the next generation to you know discover that it's cool again you know because a lot of people rejected things because it's like oh that's what my grandparents drank so absolutely <laughs> i mean consumers were so loyal for so many years and then yeah it kind of oh you know grandpa drank that that's not cool anymore but uh now you're finding a, a interest in historical products and history and oh, authenticity yeah. and that's one thing that Laird's offers is authenticity we've been doing this for 300 years um, and we've been it's been family run and we are hoping in every every avenue and every you know we work very hard to keep it 100% family owned um, and sometimes it's very difficult you know we're yeah. up against a lot of uh, larger conglomerate companies that have a lot of money a lot of marketing dollars which we do not have. Uh, so, you know, we have our authenticity and history to stand stand on and stand upon and wave our flag. And mm-hmm. and thankfully, we're starting to see the younger generation really appreciate that authenticity. Well, that's a great place to wrap things up. So <laughs> thank you so much, Lisa Laird Dunn. Um, it was great having you on the show. I appreciate you taking the time today. Now, if there's anything you want to sort of promote, how people can find you on the web, uh, where they can find Laird's Applejack uh, in stores, just uh, plug away. <laughs> well, it's hard to plug stores yeah. because there's, you know, our distribution is fairly is pretty good uh, nationwide. But um, if you are having a difficult time locating the product, you can reach us on our website, which is www.lairdandcompany.com, and you can reach out to us, and we can help you locate any of the expressions, um, as well as please follow us on social media. We are on Facebook. Uh, Twitter and Instagram. What's um, what are your handles on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, Laird's at Laird's Applejack. Okay.
on both. Yeah. Uh, yep, everything's layered to Applejack. Cool. Yes. All right, and and as always, you can uh, find me at drinkableglobe.com. Follow me at at Jeff Cialetti on Twitter and Drinkable Globe on Instagram. And remember, the world is out there. Drink it up. The Drinkable.